Hello everyone and welcome once again to The Phantom Zone, your one-stop shop for all things nerdy. If you like what you hear today, you can listen to our other episodes and a whole range of nerdy topics now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and on SoundCloud. My name is Chris Buick and I'm joined once again by my fellow nerd and friend, Toby. How are you, Toby? I'm good. Kalu Kale, it's podcast day. <laughs> it is indeed. It is. We are here this week. As promised, when we did episode three to talk about episodes four and five of the <laughs> like latest, a thousand years ago, yeah, it seems so long ago. Of yes. this, uh, part of our ongoing small talk series, where we're dedicating it to Ahsoka, the latest Star Wars offering. Like I said, we're here to talk about episodes four and five. Uh, obviously, a lot to unpack in both episodes. Uh, very exciting stuff happened. Uh, yeah. Especially for you watching episode five and the circumstances in which you got to see it, which we will get into a bit later on, and you can share your experiences on that. It's your very special screening of episode five, oh, as yeah. it were. Oh, yeah. But before we get that, you're going to have to be patient, Toby, unfortunately. We are going to talk about episode four first, which I'm sure you're equally excited about. Um, I was going to say, that's, that's no mad feat, because Christ, these are good couple episodes they yeah really they have bag. been they really have been um so episode four titled fallen jedi after uh their encounter in episode three ahsoka and sabine find themselves uh hiding in a forest planet but find themselves uh caught up by the the troops um that have been hunting them down through hattie and skull uh after fighting them off uh they decide to move towards the so the night, the night sisters shrine for night the night sisters shrine. Yes, that's it. Um, where they encounter Hattie on the way and Morak, and while mm-hmm. Sabine holds off Hattie, uh, in quite a interesting uh, lightsaber fight, which we'll get into. Yep. Um, Ahsoka goes off in order to find the map, but is confronted by Balon's skull. Despite their best efforts and Sabine's assistance, Balon's skull bests Ahsoka, and uh essentially kicks her off the edge of a cliff into the waters <laughs> below uh, literally a fallen Jedi as it yep. were um, and before Sabine can destroy the map, Balon basically gets into her head and convinces her that giving him the map and coming with him willingly would help her reunite with Ezra which is all she's wanted for a long, long time, and she subsequently, and no shock to me, I don't know about you, <laughs> gives over the map and yep. is then taken away with Balon and Hattie to um, onto the ship and they escape before the uh, backup, well, the backup arrives, but is unable to stop it and could have been much more disastrous than it could have been with some of the ships being uh, destroyed and General Hera. Uh, Finding out that her unsanctioned mission probably wasn't a good idea, or you know, isn't going to plan as well as it would do. Um, but obviously, the big thing at the end of uh, episode four, as we find Ahsoka now in the world between worlds, I guess, as it were, um, is very briefly at the end reunited with her former master, the one and only Anakin Skywalker. It's Hayden Christensen. It's Hayden Christensen. He's back. Uh, you're, yeah, a, you're a big Hayden defender. I can imagine that was. I am. For you. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm a well. I, I think we were talking about it yesterday. I'm just a prequel fanboy. I uh, it all came sort of right at the same at the, the right time for me as a kid. You know, 2000s. I think I was 12 when the Phantom Menace came out, and that was just yeah. 
mind-blowing like with Darth Maul and things like I get that there's critiques to it but I mean the thing about Star Wars has always sort of been pantomime and it's always been hokey and cheesy dialogue and yeah I just love like George Lucas has got number of faults like one of the biggest ones is he can't leave well enough alone yeah however many editions of the original trilogy but Dude makes a good story and he crafts an amazing world. And I thought the prequels added that. And I think Hayden Christensen, he's having a renaissance. He was back in Obi-Wan and now he's back in Ahsoka. It, and like he's doing good work. And it just goes to show that it wasn't necessarily him that was the problem. It was just, it's hard. No matter how, like who you are, even Ewan McGregor and Natalie Portman, they were having tough times with that dialogue. Yeah. We, we, well, Toby and I met up yesterday for uh, a special event that we will talk about in a bonus episode, which we will talk to you about at some point. Um, but we got together and we were obviously having a chat about Ahsoka briefly um, and Hayden Christensen came up and we both agreed that while obviously episodes two and three aren't perfect films, I don't think we can say that they are. They are yeah. not, I don't think they're as maligned as you know, previously assumed to be when they first came out, especially when you put them in the cold light of day next to the sequel trilogy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, curses. Yeah. Um, and we, I think we, we agreed that, you know, you can, you can meme all you want about, you know, I hate sand, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> that dialogue, I don't care. I mean, Natalie Portman, fantastic actress, Academy Award winning, you know, been in so many good stuff. Amazing actress. Even that dialogue, she there's no saving it. You know, there's nothing. No. no. And you know, Hugh McGregor. So, I think Hayden Christensen was dealt a dirty hand, I guess, to a yeah, point. Yeah. And it's nice to see, like you say, his renaissance, his redemption, I guess, as a actor and a character. Because I've seen him in other stuff, and he's he's a decent actor. I'm not still going to say he's yep. you know groundbreaking or anything, but he is a decent actor. He can hold his own. And I feel like, um, you know, what? let's 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 start at the end for this one. Um, let's talk oh, yeah. about him coming back. What obviously that leads into episode five, but I think the impact of Ahsoka and Anakin's previous relationship now carrying forward into who Ahsoka is and what we'll talk about in episode five. I think Hayden Christensen's got a lot to. Um, I guess carry on that in those yeah. kind of moments, and I feel like he carries it well. And I feel like his yeah. presence—he's—he's he's earned his rightful place as a, a liked or if not loved character in the Star Wars canon now. Yeah, and I, I think that what was, is kind of essential in a way because whilst you and I know that Anakin and Ahsoka were master and apprentice during the Clone Wars and everything that sort of went on during that sort of saga, but I feel like. It's been alluded to briefly in the Mando series, and mm -hmm. then they've mentioned it in this that he trained her. She didn't finish his training. But if you've never seen the Clone Wars or had any context to their history before, this is kind of essential watching because you, you kind of need mm. to have seen some connection between the two to be able to get that level of weight. And I think it was... I know it had been rumoured for a long time, but I kind of felt like it was almost mandatory that you had to have Anakin in it in some way to have that level of connection and add that level of depth and weight to their history. 
because otherwise it's just people saying stuff. But you're like, well, I uh, I can't really see that per se. Mm. So I, I think this is sort of essential, and it's it was so well done. Yeah. so well done yeah we'll get into i guess the more of the anakin ahsoka thing when we talk about episode five because obviously that's where the, yeah. the real the ball really gets going and that, that is where the meat and potatoes is but it was obviously the the teaser at the end of episode four where he she turned around and he's just standing there it's like oh here we go here we go yeah. um that, that was definitely a little bit of a mic drop at the end of the episode yeah it was i mean and obviously we we've it's, it wasn't a surprise that hayden christian was going to be in it uh and obviously Anakin's return in terms of what that means for Ahsoka, but we yeah. didn't really have any details on how that would come about. And which again, we'll get into episode five, but the whole world between worlds flashback sequences that they did in episode five really, I think, helped capture, like you say, the essence of what their relationship is about for those who obviously do know the backstory and those who don't. Um, but before we get into all that in episode five, let's go back to episode four. Let's, I guess, we started at the end, so we'll work our way backwards. Obviously, we've got the um, moment between uh, Skull and Ahsoka with the fight scene yeah. where she's bested uh, despite yeah. her best efforts and Sabine's um, uh, assistance, which like, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to be cynical or say like I know better, but obviously I kind of saw where it was going with <laughs> Sabine not destroying the map and giving it over to skull because obviously that's the kind of you know exposition story throughput that's gonna cause you know it's got to cause some kind of drama you know it's got to have some kind yeah. of stakes um yeah and you did mention when we were talking about episode one and two that you could kind of see conflict arising mm-hmm. between the two of yeah. them so i guess you were right i was well, hopeful for the best outcome well look and i always say like i've watched a lot of tv and a lot of films over the years you can see what points happen you know <laughs> what there's a only, nerd there's only so many things like i can see this going one of two ways and i guessed it but i guess for me obviously there's that moment where ahsoka uh turns to sabina says can i count on you and she says yes yeah. Which is obviously a pivotal moment that then Sabine doesn't destroy the map and basically yeah, gives it total in foreshadowing. Yeah, 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 it, it is. But I think it was done in a in a it was handled well. I feel like it didn't feel yeah. like no one was actively winking at the camera saying, yeah. "Yes, it, wink." It, actually, something bad's going to happen. You kind of get yeah, that foreboding, and, but you know. Yeah, and you're you're rewatching. Clone Wars and Rebels, right at the moment, aren't you? Yes. So, for listeners, I am currently in the middle of a Star Wars chronological rewatch. So, I've watched <laughs> Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones. I'm now rewatching Clone Wars. So, and when you when you rewatch these things, you like it doesn't really feel out of character for Sabine to do these sort of things. No, it doesn't because she's she's so like loyal to the point where she'll put herself in difficult situations or kind of compromise situations for what she thinks is the best for she has a lot of sort of fam, familiar con like um connections you know she put herself at risk for her family when this like the, the mandalore sort of arc was going on and she's constantly sort of putting herself into scrapes for um ezra and, and things throughout the show so it, it felt really sort of in character and you know, they emphasize the fact she's a Mandalorian that's kind of brash, headstrong, and they're sort yeah. of jumping mm-hmm. straight into things without really sort of thinking about it so much to say. So it doesn't really feel that out of character for her to sort of do that, particularly as she saw yeah. ah- Ahsoka jump, well, get knocked off a cliff. 
Yeah, I mean, because to your point there, I don't mind, you know, if I can see or, you know, there's a story beat that I, you know, assume is coming and it does or, you know, it might be something that you kind of go, okay, I definitely know this is going to happen. If it's in keeping with the character, I don't mind because, well, that's, you're right, that's what Sabine would do. If it was just, if, for example, Ahsoka had given up the map, I'd be like, okay, well, that's not Ahsoka. Ahsoka would just not do that. But you're right. Someone like Sabine, that's very much within who she is as a person. You know, she, and obviously just the mention of Ezra's name, I think was the point where she gave in and basically said, yeah, sure. Um, And then obviously Ahsoka being knocked over the side, she has no idea where Ahsoka is. Ahsoka could be dead for all she knows. And, you know, what's her alternative? She either gives it over or she doesn't and she's killed and they take it off her. I yeah, mean, it's a lose-lose situation, yeah. Arguably, that pistol might not even have destroyed the map because as you pointed out in our chat yesterday, the lightsaber took a good few seconds for it to actually yeah. you know, destroy that thing. So part of it's probably calculating her options, right? So, you know. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I, I think it was... Uh... Plus, it also adds that level of conflict where, you know, it had to have been some... There had to have been some way for Sabine and uh, Ahsoka to sort of get there in, because they weren't just going to follow the Eye of Sion where they, they had to find their own arcs and they they sort of foreshadowed this conflict, like you say, sort of at the beginning so I I, I, I think it works thematically and how it sort of leads into episode 5, you kind of needed Sabine off the table so Ahsoka could take sort of center stage for the yes, story. Yes, exactly, exactly. I, w- I was thinking the exact same thing because then you get a, you do get a much more Ahsoka-centric episode and obviously the stuff we alluded to before, all her, you know, flashbacks with Anakin and the, 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 the I guess it's a two-hander between them for most of the, the episode. So it does help yeah. clear the decks a little bit to allow that, part of the story to breathe without having to worry about subplot B or C or Sabine uh, where she is, where they're taking her, etc. Because we'll have episode 6 and 7 and yep. 8 to to get to there. Um, and then obviously in episode uh, 4, just before obviously all that kicks off, Hera Syndulla has obviously gone against the Senate's wishes and gone off to rescue Ahsoka and Sabine uh, in an yep. unsanctioned mission um, with the help of some very helpful volunteers including her child which, what, and I said this to you yesterday, in episode watch, watching episode 4 in isolation without episode 5 she's like, why have you brought your child? This seems like a very irresponsible parenting yeah. move from your part um, obviously it worked really well in episode 5, funny that um, but I remember going why, is, why have you brought your child? This makes no sense. But um, questionable parenting in the is Star very Wars, questionable. Always parenting. has been. Like I know you're a general, but good God. Um, yeah. <laughs> and to to be fair, once the uh, Eye of Sion reaches its um, hyperdrive and vanishes, it takes out uh, a couple of the fleet with it. So you know, it was, yeah. it, it was it wasn't a mission without peril, you know, and. No, um, no, no. You know, that child was endangered. I would uh, question the safety of that child uh, going forward. But um, yeah, obviously that then leads on to uh, Sindula's kind of, I guess, lighter subplot of her battles with the Senate, bureaucracy about 
drawn, getting him to believe her. Obviously, we we spoke yeah. about the mustache twirling, obvious bad guy in the Senate that I'm sure will come into play at some other point. Um, but obviously, she's now in a position where she's gone on this unsanctioned mission, lost people, and will have to answer for that, which is also a very interesting thing and in how that bureaucracy mm. is going to tie them up. Um, and and I guess almost did for Ahsoka at the end of episode five. So I think that's interesting as well. What's happening yeah. with, and obviously Miriam's performance is really great in this. I love her and everything, to be fair. Um, that's true. So I'm enjoying Harrison Dillon's little little thing as well. I'm hoping that, you know, it, as badass as it is that she went on her mission, just went rogue, you know, I, that kind of thing where they just kind of, laugh in the face of the bureaucracy and carry on. I really like that part of it. Um, don't know about you. Uh, obviously, when the ships were taken out by the Eye of Sion, that was a pretty spectacular moment as well. Yeah, I I mean, say what you will about the sequels. I know I've got my complaints, but there was a, certainly like a, an homage to the uh, the Last Jedi scene where uh, the, the quote-unquote Holdo maneuver, where she goes to light speed through the Star Destroyers. Yeah. I thought that sort of channeled that because I, I was for I was like, holy shit, they're going to replicate that kind of thing and tear mm-hmm. through these guys. And they did. I, I was expecting the X-Wings and the ghosts to sort of get out of the way at the last second, but nope, they got uh, pretty effed up. Yeah. It's good when they've got stakes like that. And, you know, it shows that, you know, there are risks to what they're doing. Obviously yeah. uh, that the eye of Sion, the ship they have now that can do that is a serious threat. Cause obviously we've had, yeah. you know, over the years, death stars and star destroyers and all kinds of stuff to give something of that size that we've seen kind of before something gargantuan and something powerful, a kind of unique feel and presence like it got, I think is quite yeah. cool. Yeah. Cause it's, it's not so much a threat about its destructive capabilities. It's more about just, the concept of what it can do and how that can sort of change the game moving mm-hmm. forward because it's it's opening up totally new parts of well totally new galaxies that yeah. have just never and how could, and like, how, like, how did it, how did they keep up with something like that you know it's exactly, something that's that powerful yeah. it's like how can you match something that's that powerful and it's the same when i guess when you first ever saw the death star or something like that you kind of think how can you possibly best something that's got that kind of capability? Which I yeah. guess we'll see, and especially if, you know, Thrawn, who <laughs> yeah. you said it, and I'm willing to believe you now, you said it a few episodes ago, are we just going to see the back of Thrawn at the very end of episode eight? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I feel that's going to be like, and stick around for season two, you're going to have five seconds worth of Thrawn. Yeah. He's going to come in and then just look around and just knock out one pithy one-liner. And that'll be it. And they'll be like, credits, season two, Thrawn will return. And we'll be like, yeah, we'll definitely, yeah. <laughs> we'll definitely be back. Um, yeah. But I guess the last bit on episode four, before we move on to episode five, we're working backwards. So obviously the, the battles between um, Hattie and Murak with Sabina and Ahsoka, fight with Bale and Skull, which I thought it, I thought it said some pretty badass choreography because... With the the Balin Skull and Ahsoka one, what I quite liked was the uh, contrast in fighting styles because you had Ahsoka that was taking much more of a Japanese sort of fighting style with yeah. sort of samurai, and Balin Skull, even just in his visage, his appearance, taking that sort of old regal sort of broadsword 
knight in shining armor type style i thought that was a really good clash of styles um and whilst there was more of a uh metaphorical and political-esque mindscape to it where they were sort of battling of wits and ideologies and histories and he was sort of getting in her head which kind of bested her and she was very much one track mind on the the map so that adds the stakes to that Hmm. um i thought that was a great conflict and i thought ray stevenson god damn he was making that powerful statement yeah every line delivery just just there was so much gravitas behind it yeah and i think he he does it without descending into you know like over the top pantomime villainesque you know kind of stuff he delivers it with actual menace you know that you want from your um your baddies in the Star Wars yeah. universe, you want them to actually feel threatening and not just ridiculous, you know? Yeah. Um, which I think he, and he's, he's great as Bale Scott. I'd like to see time to explore, like, what's he about? Because obviously at the minute, with himself and Hattie, we don't really know what their yeah. end game is. I know we've said this for the last few chats we've had about this, but I'd really like to dive into, but what actually do you want from all this? Surely you yeah. can't just, because he doesn't seem to me like a simple zealot, I want to bring him back just because I, because that's what the story dictates. I, there's got to be yeah. more to it, to him than, than that. Obviously the hardest part about that is with Ray Stevenson passing, that means that you kind of yeah have to toe the line of either recasting, which is probably going to be very hard to do, um or I, I i i whilst i agree with you it'd be really good to see more of him unfortunately i don't think that's sort of within the realms of possibility unless yeah. they've done stuff maybe yeah i'm, I'm more kind of f- just hope they have a close of his character in this in a in a good sort of resoluting way yeah i'm more hoping that it's explored because you can be clever about these things you can explore backstories in different ways rather than just you know yeah the black and white well, he ways. seems like he'd be rife for tales of the jedi yeah exactly and it is, it, it is such great. a shame i just because it's he's he strikes such an interesting character in this which yeah you know uh i look at for example the kylo ren potential you've got someone like adam driver in that who could have delivered a lot more if he'd been given the chance and i think he does yeah. a, does really well with what he's given it's just a shame that what he was given wasn't and I, I feel like ray stevenson was someone who could have really made Bale and Skull up there and with, you know, characters that you remember when you think of yeah. Star Wars. Um, so it's a real shame. It is, but you're right. The, 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 that fight scene. And then obviously the, the, I guess the tag team fight scene in the forest is interesting, yeah, specifically cool. the one between Hattie and Sabine from switching to her Mandalore, <laughs> tactics to then to her i guess jedi training tactics was an interesting um, yeah that was that was really good um that was a really great dynamic there i agree because it was it, it was kind of like her better nature took over in the first sort of foray of the fight where she went straight for the blasters shooting shin and then she was like oh no yeah this is a conflict of jedi we need to fight with lightsabers and then shin hearty just completely owns her and then she falls back to the the tried and true, tested Beskar armor and Do we know, explosive right? wrist rockets. How that's so good! I yeah. love that. <laughs> yeah, and uh, Hattie's face when she does it is a bit taken aback. She wasn't expecting. Yeah, that, so. <laughs> um, yeah, and I think it harks back to what we were saying previously. Obviously, there was the episode where with the 
the, the training with Hu Yang and the shit. And yeah. I think I mentioned at the time that while obviously we've yet to be seen Sabine's, I guess, force sensitivity, how much is she actually going to be able to tap into that, if at all, and how much of well, our... Not much, because she gives that sort of pitiful little force yeah. push into Shin Hati's face, isn't she? Yeah, so there, and I'd like, and as part of that, I'd like to say, like, I wouldn't really want her to completely then become, oh, I forget all my Mandalore training now. Um yeah. It's an interest because it's like it'd be an interesting hybrid between the two because she's handy with the yes. lightsaber, but you know she's still got her other stuff to fall back on, and that's what kind of made yeah. um, the Mandalorian so interesting. Was he had multiple ways of you know getting out of a situation, and that's what Mandalorians do. And it's interesting yeah. to have that in your back pocket if you're also wielding a lightsaber. Makes it being yeah. a very interesting character to watch action wise because you don't know what direction it might take and what she can yeah. potentially and, do. And she's she's clearly sort of a flawed character, which adds another sort of layer as well. So like she makes the mistakes and while she sort of has these this massive arsenal at her disposal, she's still not necessarily on top of her emotions and no. the her capabilities. So it can go one way or the other. So I mean it adds a lot more dynamism to yeah, the, the and action. I get- it adds a lot of um, potential, I guess, when you're watching it to think that something could go wrong for Sabine very quickly because she is, like yeah. you said, that kind of person. Whereas Ahsoka, you've, uh, well, I guess until episode four when she was, again, booted off that cliff pretty profusely, yeah. um, seems much more assured of herself in fighting. But it's interesting. Like I yeah. say, I like the, I like the hybrid kind of techniques that Sabine has and it's it just makes for a much it makes for something a bit fresher than you know well we all love a jedi felt let's be honest we all love a lightsaber jewel it it just gives that that bit of extra freshness to not what not know what to expect um yeah so yeah um episode four we i guess still enjoying it you know up until that point as well it's been a great series at the halfway mark um now we'll move on to episode five, which uh, would you mind giving us a brief recap of what we saw in episode five? Sure, yeah. I just wanted to add one quick thing. I just wanted to see what your thoughts were on Morocco's, um being the, 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 the dust cloud that he was inside the suit of armor. Was that what you were guessing? No, I was not, actually. That was an interesting little little thing that I, saw. I was like, oh, that's I was not expecting that. Yeah, I thought that was quite fun because... Uh, whilst they haven't sort of out and out said it i think the idea is that he's supposed to be um a manifestation of one of the night sisters um, yeah i think you mentioned this in witchcraft. episode one or two yeah i think so yeah. uh and morgan elizabeth maybe sort of resurrected him as an inquisitor which is quite cool yeah yeah it was it was quite cool it was a quite cool little uh nod there i yeah i forgot about that but yes no that was a that was an interesting moment for sure yeah um, sorry, yeah. So episode five, that uh, I, I just want to call that the um, the Clone Wars wet dream. Clone um, Wars wet dream. <laughs> I mean, um, it's called Shadow Warrior, but we'll call, we're now calling yeah. it Clone Wars wet dream. <laughs> Subtitle, yeah. So yeah, part five, Shadow Warrior. Um, it's about Ahsoka sort of confronting her past, and uh, you know she she wakes up in the world between worlds. And the only face she sees and is greeted by is her old master, Anakin Skywalker. And 
from the get-go, he's confronting her with continuing her training. And she's like, well, you know, I've kind of learned everything I need to know. But he sort of confronts her and challenges that fact and sort of pushes her from what her understanding is. And she's confronted by her past through the Clone Wars and aspects of that nature. And all the while, this this sort of uh, dreamlike world between world journey is going on. You've then got Hera and her <laughs> endangered son um, in this sort of rescue mission as such because they've met Hu Young at the shrine and he's holding Sabine's helmet. He doesn't know what's happened to either of them. Yeah, Hera and the crew have sort of landed. None of them know really what's happened or what's going on. They just, they found the map's been destroyed. They know the Eye of Scion's flown off and uh, Morgan Elizabeth and her crew of cronies They've got what they wanted. They're now just trying to pick up the pieces whilst the sort of foreshadowed political drama is getting caught up with Hera Syndulla because she's being held to task for her illicit mission. So they're trying to find out what's happened whilst also putting off the fleet that's coming to sort of scold Hera and bring them back to the Republic. So there's there's that added threat to this whilst throughout the whole journey the world between world ahsoka is is being taken through this dreamlike sequence which has got some of the best cinematography in star wars for a long time Mm. where she's seeing flashes of her past throughout the clone wars so Mm -hmm. she's seeing the battle of ryloth where you're seeing anakin skywalker dressed in just the the awesome clone wars outfit from the cgi tv Mm -hmm. show and then getting confronted with the the siege of mandalore which was the final arc of the uh, the Clone Wars that led into the Revenge of the Sith and Anakin's eventual downfall. And throughout this whole time, Anakin's sort of challenging her by saying, you know, I, w- I want to teach you one last lesson, and it's live or die. And he transitions from sort of this friendly demeanor that they had when they first started their relationship to then sort of encompassing more of his dark side and becoming that Darth Vader. Yeah. And he's confronting her, they're battling and it's, it's just such a surreal and amazing sequence. Oh, it's so good. So obviously when, like you say, the two sides of his demeanor, when he first produces his lightsaber and it's blue and then later on through after the flashbacks and the darker side becomes square and it turns red i was like oh here we go That's, yeah that is... seeing anakin skywalker with a live action red lightsaber is just never been done it yeah exactly such a cool visual. and then the bit where he's walking through the, the cloud after the um yeah the flashback and it sort of flashes as him as darth vader and you hear you hear the the breathing you hear the theme song you know you can hear it in the background it's just it's just for a second before he comes back to Anakin, but it, oh, and you, it, it it goes back to what you were saying at the very beginning, where visually, I think this episode is the best looking episode of the five, and is yeah, one of the best looking Star Wars things I've seen in a long time. I think the way they put that together, um, cinematography, cinematography, <laughs> cinematography, that's the one, um, was <laughs> um, was fantastic, um, yeah. and the reason. I think um, so. There's a um, a woman by the name of Kieran Tran who is a director of photography and cinematographer. She's done a lot of um, interesting work for. She's so she did like Palm Springs and other things, you know. And she oh, does yeah, a lot. Yeah, yeah. She does a lot. Of, she's been a 
she's been credited in a lot of films that if you've seen something that looks fantastic in the last two, three, four years, she's probably been involved. Um, she is, if anyone here watches Critical Role, she plays uh, Sam Regal's she she's not playing. She is Sam Regal's wife in from Critical oh, Role, okay. uh, and she's a very very talented like eye for aesthetic. And yeah, I remember watching the credits at the end, obviously thinking about the the consequences. And her name came up. I went, of course, that's why this is so good. <laughs> I was like, she is yeah. fantastic. So well done, Kieran. I mean, well aesthetic is the is the key word for this episode because it was just it was so well crafted and like. Dave Filoni, like it had to have been Dave Filoni that both wrote and directed this episode because it, it just had his fingerprints all over it. Um, the the not to sort of just keep belaboring the cinematography side of it, but I just thought the the concept of reenacting scenes of live action Clone Wars, but kind of keeping it in a more ethereal sort of state because it's very sort of foggy and cloudy. And I mean, it could be sort of for budget constraints because you can't have a full scale war in a TV show and battle droids and things. That's all CGI budget. But it's still done so well that it fits into the lore that they've built about this is kind of a shadow of her past that she's kind of seeing. So everything's not fully to light. So it's kind of obscured by the by the by the fogs of war and the blaster fire and stuff like that but it, it just adds so much depth to it because she's kind of lost in this in this memory and she's trying to traverse her way through this lesson that anakin's trying to put her through in this world of between worlds and it's all very mysterious and i just think the, the sort of added visuals to that really added the weight to the to, to the theory of that or the story of that i just thought it was so well done it was so well done. It was. Uh, I think the episode, it looks fantastic. It plays fantastic. I think the, and like we said previously, the, it's a it's it's a two-hander between Hayden Christensen and Rosario Dawson in this one. And yeah. I think they just, they both and, click and it, so. Um, Ariana Grant, uh, Greenplatt, the, the young Ahsoka. Yes, she 100%. She knocked out of the park. She did. She really embodied, I guess, the... The, 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 I guess the point of the episode to show who Ahsoka is, uh, I guess, still inside as a heart, because, you know, yeah. we're all kind of like our inner child, really, at heart, and she still has a lot of that in within her as a person. And yeah. I feel like... Did you know she's young uh, Gamora from Infinity War? She, I thought she looked familiar. That makes... Yeah. yeah. Actually, now you said she, it, I thought like, that's Her exactly... entire career has just been her painted. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and... <laughs> But I mean, Guardians and Ahsoka, not bad, you know. Yeah, true. I, I'd happily go through hours of paint to be in either of those things. So you know, that's true. That's um, true. But she's and you know, fair play to her. She's fantastic in this. She really embodies that kind of stubborn spirit that Ahsoka has still. Yeah. Uh, her um, reluctance to kind of always follow Anakin's lead, and you know, yeah. his questioning of him because. I think obviously she can see the man he will become and what that means and her questioning of their purpose and what it means to what her training actually means, what she actually training for. There's a lot of yeah. big questions that obviously make Ahsoka who she is. And, you know, I think Anakin raises a good point that in when Obi-Wan trained him, it was very different times to when he trained her. Now, while yeah. that's true, 
part of it is also well Anakin's training in the way he believes rather than the times he lives in. So Anakin's training to be a warrior because he believes that's probably what they should be, whereas Obi and it, it all it all comes back to character and really well thought out and thinking about that kind of double edged sort of yes, there was wars going on and stuff, but did Anakin, you know, relish in that kind of power, that kind of way of thinking, which obviously yeah. led him down a path. It's it's all it's all there. It's all there and heart back to and really thought about. It. And those characters don't. They seem like yeah, they've they've captured the essence of those characters again in those and really fought them out and fleshed them, fleshed them out. Sorry. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. It was it was a fantastic episode five. You must have really enjoyed it because you had a very unique screening experience for it, didn't you? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I um so I was quite lucky enough to uh, get tickets to go see the uh, the premiere of it on the the Tuesday night before it was aired on Disney Plus at uh, the Odeon Leicester Square. So seeing all the Clone Wars scenes and the transition between Hayden Christensen and Darth Vader uh, was just spectacular um i've watched it about three or four times since mm. i i literally took the day off afterwards to so i saw it at the cinema i then came home then the following day i woke up and i watched the episode again and i was like it still holds up it still holds yeah. up it's so good but i think if i'm gonna be critical of it i guess that's kind of what we do yeah the um i i would say that episode five more so than even the rest of the show was not as accessible for those and i know we've sort of talked about it as not mm. as accessible for those who have no connection to the clone wars or rebels more so the clone wars than this one yeah i i, I felt like anybody who didn't have that backstory could have been a little lost yeah i would agree i was telling you obviously before we recorded about my the person i know at work uh who yeah. has not seen clone wars or rebels and is was kind of unsure as to, I guess, the whole Anakin and Ahsoka dynamic and what yeah. that means for them. Even things like who Ezra is, what their connection to Ezra is. And I was like, you really need to go back and watch Clone Wars and Rebels. Yeah. It's going to take me probably as long to explain all this to you as it is for you to just go watch it. And you should watch it anyway because it's fantastic stuff. Yeah. Um, which is interesting because I remember reading the Rebel reviews before we even saw episode one, obviously... I think I said this before, the press release get it before, you know, general release of a few episodes. And it was touted as being one of the more accessible Star Wars s- series. And I don't think that's true. Yeah. I think. But then at the same time, you had people saying in the first two episodes, particularly, there was a lot of exposition as to who people were. And there I was is. Like, well, but it's. How, how you can't. Ha- they can't win because it's, it's like you either give them too much exposition or you don't give them enough. I feel like there's enough exposition to kind of maybe keep you up to date if you've maybe not watched those things in a while. Yeah. But I feel I like if you watch you... it at face value, you can kind of glean enough from it. But I, I... I do think this episode is, is probably a little lore heavy Yeah, if you don't know. Yeah, and I think, obviously, for example, the, the whole the Clone Wars stuff, if you haven't watched Clone Wars... You do obviously know about it from the films to a point, but the series gives you so much more insight into what that actually, what that time period was like and how it shaped a lot of the stuff we now know. Uh, and also, it's just a fantastic series. So, you know, watch yeah. it. Um, yeah, very much so. And then obviously, you've got things like the Siege of Mandalore in the flashback and stuff like that, which is not 
you know it's not stuff that's you know common knowledge but i i i think that this series is it's still got something to offer for the people who are maybe not avid fans like you or i or yeah but there is an element of it like you would get you do definitely get more out of it if you know the backstory and you know the characters and you've seen everything else so i think it's it's it does strike a balance but you are um you're right i think episode five is the one that's probably gonna throw some curveballs at those casual viewers most yeah and i think it's kind of bold with some of its decisions because it doesn't it doesn't waste time by and i i guess it could be they don't want to provide an answer just yet or they don't want to give that backstory to sort of leave that mysterious side of it by they they don't really explain anything per se in the sense of what the world between worlds is how did she get there and i guess also anakin's i've seen so many different theories and interpretations of what the lesson per se was Mm. i mean what i've gleaned from it and what i've understood is it's ahsoka finally coming to terms with who anakin was because i know she's 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 she is she's confronted him as vader in rebels she was aware of um palpatine's plan to turn him from darth maul in the siege of mandalore at the end of the clone wars mm-hmm. you know she couldn't come to terms with that she confronted him face to face um in rebels and was confronted with her guilt because she believed that her leaving him throughout the clone wars spoilers for if everyone watched it was in some part a very big factor into why he he sort of fell mm-hmm. to the dark side and that you know it, it that it did have sort of a compounding factor to it but it wasn't sort of the the linchpin to why he fell it was just a multitude of different factors and ultimately palpatine's machinations and scheming but it was her sort of coming to terms with her history but also understanding that whilst he was evil while he fell to the dark side he was more than that and the lessons that he imparted on her throughout the clone wars and everything that she's sort of taken with her she's more than just the sum of those parts exactly yeah and limiting herself by sort of sticking with that being her defining point that you know she was instrumental in darth vader rising and becoming evil and it's quite interesting to see how we were making comments. I know I definitely mentioned it in the earlier episodes where Ahsoka doesn't quite feel like herself. Mm. Like she seems a little bit more jaded, a little darker, a little bit more somber, far more sort of limited in her emotions. And, you know, that was initially sort of chalked up in my eyes that maybe Rosie Dawson didn't quite have the character right there. But sort of seeing how that journey goes into play throughout this episode and then seeing her come out of that, right in the sort of last few scenes where she's Ahsoka the White, you know, newly refurbished, newly refreshed Ahsoka. She was already more with brevity. She was far more like confident in herself. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, this is more the Ahsoka that I remembered. So I I thought that was quite a a, a nice transition, but it was very Gandalf-esque where she was Ahsoka the Grey before and now she's Ahsoka the White. Yeah, because like, exactly like you said, she realised that she's not just the sum of Anakin's training and teachings and she 
like a lot of who she was, I guess, in Ahsoka the Grey was wrapped up in, like you say, that guilt, that sense yeah. of responsibility, uh, and a sense, I guess, a sense as well of thinking, well, he is part of me. So almost that sense of what what does that mean for me as a person, guilt wise, as yeah, like could that happen to me? I guess. But she comes out, like you say, the other side, stronger in more self-belief, more thinking, no, I am not just what you taught me. I am so much more than that. And I like that theory that that's the lesson that he's trying to impart on her. I think, obviously, his speaking to her through the force, I guess, is obviously conscious of who he is and who he was, but wants to impart on her that that doesn't necessarily mean that's who she is or who she will be. Um, yeah. which I quite like. Do, I like that he wants Do you that. think that is Anakin? Do you think that is Anakin in the world between worlds, or do you think that's sort of a... A, a manifestation. Kind of like a manif- Yeah, so like, because Luke Skywalker had his trial in the in the tree on Dagobah, yeah. and saw a vision of Darth Vader, and Jedi have had their visions and trials throughout the, the sagas. Do you think that was genuinely Ray's, Anakin? Ray's or? had hers as well. So, yeah. um, multiple versions of herself. It would be, it would be an interesting theory if it wasn't, um, and how that kind of trans it does does the I guess does the manifestation take shape depending on who the I guess the dreamer or the the subject is and how does yeah. that. You know how does I guess how does the matrix build itself around you in a you know yeah. that kind of metaphor? But um, if I'm honest, I'm going to say I'm probably going to say yes. It probably was Anakin, and because I, I like yeah. the theory that he's come to her, knowing that <clears throat> what she I guess thinks of him and how she walked away, but knowing that he still has he still wants her to learn that you know despite him and despite everything he became and you know everything that they've tied through that it's not it's not for her it's not her destiny and he yeah at least there's a part of him because he's obviously he's darth vader but he's also still anakin skywalker and he still has that in him which we see is that that guy who or that teacher who had real concern and love for her at some point and probably still wants to impart some of that off i think the live or die message is well it seems literal and you know obviously looks that way to a point with the the battles is more about uh you choose to live or die on your terms not mine or not anyone else's and who you become is up to you um just as who he became obviously even though through machinations and you know influence was his path she has her own i like that yeah yeah, no, yeah, me too. There's an interesting theory as well that he's. So, do you remember the Mortis arc in Clone Wars, yes. where it kind of explored the prophecy of the Chosen One and mm. what his ultimate sort of journey was supposed to be? So, just to summarize for those who haven't seen it, the Mortis arc is where Anakin, Ahsoka, and Obi Wan find themselves sort of lost in space and come across this ethereal sort of manifestation in the Force and it's uh this sort of i guess a world between worlds in its own right where you have the three embodiments of the force so you have the father who's effectively the balance between the two 
and you have the brother who's a manifestation of the dark side voiced by sam witwer um awesome star wars character who's also played darth maul in the clone wars tv series and then you have the sister who is the manifestation of the light side who uh, through that sort of arc you you kind of learned that part of the chosen one's prophecy is to replace the father in this arc and take the place as the balance control both the brother and sister so neither one becomes more than the other mm-hmm. and there's some crazy twisty turny bits where anakin is actually confronted with his entire future so the brother shows him his his future as darth vader um and ahsoka turns to the dark side and obi-wan kind of gets challenged by the light side and he sees qui-gon as well um and it's a, a really batshit crazy arc mm. and the sister sacrifices herself throughout a whole bunch of rigmarole um for ahsoka so there's there's connections and the owl that you've seen morai in in mandalorian and then throughout rebels the idea is that the sister has kind of lived on through morai and ahsoka is almost like an embodiment of the light side and the theory is that now in anakin's passing after the return of the jedi as he died as darth vader and Mm -hmm. redeemed himself he's now taken on that role as the father that he originally rejected yeah uh in the clone wars so it's it's kind of a cool concept to say that this is him sort of now right in the middle being the balance between light and dark which is why he can sort of flip between the two personas and he's now sort of coming to her with this lesson but also because he's almost now the the new embodiment and kind of taken on that role of the chosen one mm. I thought that was a cool theory. Yeah, I like that theory too. I like it. It's uh, I don't I don't think it's ever going to be you know cut and dry as to what's actually happened there. But it was, but the I guess the 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 point of the episode was not to clarify that. The point was the I guess the culmination of their relationship to a degree um, and what yeah. that means for Ahsoka going forward and how she can move past her guilt, which obviously was the, the purpose, I guess, of that whole, um, that whole thing. Um, yeah. Do we see Hayden Christensen again in this series? I'd like to think so I at some so. point. Um, I hope so, yeah. Maybe when, you know, I've, and this is just my, me having watched too much TV, is when ah- Ahsoka's maybe fighting a losing battle and she needs that inner strength, you know, force ghosts come at those kind of times and give a pep yeah. talk. So that's kind of what I'm thinking at, at, at some point will happen. Um, but yeah, obviously that's the main crux of episode five. It was it was great to watch. Um, I can only imagine what it was like for you on the big screen. It must have been incredible. Um, oh, yeah. But obviously... During all that time, we have uh, Hera Syndulla and her um, squadron uh, combing the seas of Seattle's looking for uh, Ahsoka. Luckily, she brought her kid along, Jason Syndulla, <laughs> despite yep. a terrible parenting idea. But obviously, Jason is Force-sensitive, being the son of a Jedi father, um, Karen, ja- uh, Karen ja- uh, Jarrus. Sorry, my tongue tied today. Um <laughs> Obviously, his force sensitivity is tapped into, and he can sense the um, 
lightsaber battle going on beneath the waves in the world between worlds and yep. interesting concept you brought up yesterday in our chat is obviously i guess the the proximity of that kind of sensitivity that can pass on to those who partic- aren't particularly force sensitive that so they yeah. can obviously hera then so he sort of, heals it i made yeah, the joke that through a I, yeah, I made the joke yesterday, and I'll freely admit that I'm reusing it. That it's kind of like a Wi-Fi signal, a little bit, yeah. and you know she's picking Jedi up hotspot. Jedi hotspot. Um, but interesting, obviously, because you know at the end of episode four, he's got he says I've got a bad feeling. Obviously, if you know who Jason is and you know his past, you understand that he does have that kind of capability. But it's is one of those things that obviously Huang throws in as a little. Oh, by the way, if you don't know. He's like son of a Jedi. That's why he can do these things for the people who obviously yeah. don't know. I feel like that was a bit of yeah. like a dropped in. Like, oh, by the yeah, way, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just so you're clear, because there's some people go, why does he, how can he suddenly do this? Um, Bob said they find Ahsoka, uh, who then, you know, and, and I guess again, more Gandalf the White style <laughs> converses with one of the giant Pargill <laughs> to take yep. her to uh, space whales to space whales to find because <laughs> apparently they might know where uh they've gone uh, well even she's not sure she even freely admits it to which i was like what yeah um but yeah obviously that opens up a lot of uh interesting stuff to digest for episode six obviously where yeah. the the um elsbeth and skull and hattie know now where thrawn is or at least they think they do and they've got the coordinates to go to so potentially we might see the reveal of Thrawn in episode six maybe the, maybe, maybe at the very end what do you think i i don't know like i i kind of like i know the, you're still skeptical the, but i i i just like the theory now that they're just not going to see it because there's just been so much hype about it i also feel like there's so much conflict with the the central three villains that we've had thus far and i i kind of feel like i've i've grown to really like shin and skull and morgan elizabeth didn't really have much of a character as the magistrate in the mando episode but i kind of dig her now that she's you've got the backstory that she's got connections to the night sisters and mm. you know they, they seem to be like a central threat and i kind of feel like it would be a disservice to what they've been doing to then just sort of palm it off to thrawn but at the same time I guess her goal was to get to Thrawn, and if that has now been achieved, I guess that's her arc finished. He is the crux of the series. Yeah, uh, he so is. He like, is the end end point you want. We're looking yeah. for in this series. So, but, but we still need to find out what's uh, Skull and Hattie's agenda because yeah, they've obviously got their own plans for what they want to do whilst they go to this, who, this new galaxy and who's to say elspeth doesn't have an ulterior motive that she's just exactly, keeping very yeah. close to her chest i think you're right those it's it's one thing to have one interesting villain which you normally will get in a show like this and you'll get one who drives it and the others are just like lackeys or zealots or you know yeah. one dimensional you've got three interesting characters here who I and we've said this in previous episodes. I think I'll have their own agendas and their own plans for what happens yeah. when they get to wherever they're going or what they want to achieve. And you know, each with quite fertile ground that we could look into. Um, which yeah. you're right, would be a shame if it was all just washed away in service of Thrawn, but obviously, that's something we want to see as well. So, what we're saying oh, is we're yeah, greedy. 100%. <laughs> 
Oh yeah, 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 hundred percent. Like, g- give me another three or four episodes on top of these next three, and then I'll be happy. Yeah. But I, I, um, it'd be interesting to see if these next three episodes are purely this new galaxy. Like, they don't jump back to Hera or anything like that again. Like, whilst it'd be interesting to see sort of the ramifications of um, her choices in doing this mission and things, and I, I, I kind of feel like it, it kind of felt like her arc as well for this journey had ended to a degree where they sort of said their goodbyes and saying like oh, I, I promise I'll find Ezra and Sabine because um, I guess there's a lot more sort of politics that can go on regarding that but is that as engaging as, as to finding out what's going on in this new galaxy yeah because they could pick they could pick that up at a later season if they do if they do more. yeah we don't need the you know the courtroom trial episode right now exactly for yeah. for her over she's stripped of rank and stuff you know it's uh it's, it's, i feel like it, the purgle send-off was such a big sort of crescendo yeah it, if we don't it's kind of like yeah go on sorry i was just gonna say it just kind of felt like it was the departing of the galaxy that we knew and kind of the we're now going to be going on to the next few episodes just about the new galaxy yeah it, it, it would be weird if we didn't immediately pick up with that and, you know, we ended up going back to, you know, or staying where we are galaxy-wise before moving on to that. Um, this is Ahsoka. Yeah. I mean, the show is called Ahsoka. We um 99.9% sure the next episode will be about her trying not to be eaten by the Pergo, I'm guessing, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that works out. It's very... Uh, Pinocchio on the whale kind of deal going on, but um, yeah, the the Hera stuff needs to be addressed. Not saying it doesn't, absolutely will be at some point. Uh, I would expect nothing less, but I don't think it needs to be done in episode six. Uh, in fact, it could be that it's not done in this series at all. Maybe we don't see Hera and or anything from that, depending on how far this goes for Ahsoka and other galaxies and other places. Yeah. Uh, you know, maybe season two is the the courtroom drama. Um, you never know. Um, but I'm I'm excited for episode six. I've been excited since watching episode one for every new episode that's coming out. I'm enjoying the series so far. I assume you are as well. Yeah, like I think Mando three season three was was great fun, and that there was some good episodes. But there were some equally sort of like wishy washy episodes. But I feel like this Ahsoka's kind of got that that buzz going yeah, it's got again, a rhythm going. yeah and there's a, a central story that's going through and it, it's not sort of I, I i'd say that it's it's keeping pace throughout the whole like if there's been a potential filler episode i guess it was three but i feel like that was still in service of the overall plot hmm. um and yeah man i've i've been loving this show since it started so I, I as as long as they don't drop the ball in the last couple of episodes i i think we'll be in for a really good show overall agree totally agree can't wait for episode six which comes out on the 19th of september on disney plus obviously um we'll be back uh very uh next week to speak about episode six and our thoughts on that as we get in as we're now in the Final half, second half of uh, the eight episodes that we have. Obviously, our bets are that Theron's going to be maybe revealed right at the end. We hope not. <laughs> He's going to be in there somewhere. He's going to be in there somewhere. You know, it would be it would be interesting if they did that, but I don't think that necessarily. I th- I, I, I I genuinely <laughs> think, be so many angry fanboys. Yeah, I think maybe 
if I was that if it was actually going to be, I'd say end of episode seven, giving them episode eight to actually do something that yeah. will leave us with something to think about before series two. Um, yep. Because again, watch too much telly, <laughs> see how these things can go. Um, but all I know is I'm going to, based on what I've seen so far, I'm going to enjoy it and I can't wait. Yep. So, Big yes, time. like I say, we'll be back for episode six next week. But unfortunately, Toby, that is all the Star Wars time we have for this week. Please, it'll no. be okay. We'll come back soon. Um, <laughs> thank you for joining me. It was great chatting to you about uh, Ahsoka once again. Uh, of course, thank you to all your wonderful listeners. We do really appreciate every single one of you. If you've enjoyed listening, listening to us today, you can listen to us talk about all kinds of things on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and SoundCloud. Uh, you can find us on Instagram at the Phantom Zone Podcast, and you can email us at the Phantom Zone Podcast at gmail.com. But for now, until next time, thank you for listening, and we'll see you soon. Goodbye. Ta ta.